0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Mextron synthetic diesel engine oils, oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the
1: American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to AOA here today. There's a lot going on in the broad markets. We've got weakness in the grain complex. We've got some strength developing in the world of cattle, and we're seeing all sorts of uncertainty on the global macroeconomic stage of things. We're going to talk about that with Darren Newsom in just a moment, and then we're going to turn our focus to weather with John Baranek of DTN Weather. Things continue to move here in agriculture, and one of the things that moved this past week we had a cattle on feed report come out from USDA and it was much anticipated by many folks in the trade expecting to see these cattle numbers continue to decline well we got the report we're seeing some strength today give us an update Darren Newsome of Newsome analysis how was that cattle on feed report and did it change the structure of the market
2: um yeah good morning Mike my answer is not going to surprise you at all uh it did not change the structure of the market at all in fact. I didn't really see anything overly surprising in it I mean we we increased the number on feed the future spreads told us that we were probably going to do that uh, we had a solid placement number during uh during the month of September again if we look out at the uh, at the February April spread what it did during September uh again no surprises there in the marketings you know we we saw decent marketings again but there's just no there was no real surprises in this thing uh it was the third largest on feed uh, number as of October 1 uh on record of trailing only 2020 and 2021 bottom line is we're not going to run out of cattle anytime soon we're not going to run out of beef uh we'll see what the cold storage report has to say later Monday afternoon uh again this will be for September and this is the key takeaway I mean and there's a lot of talk Oh, you know, these importance are much watched. These reports are much watched. They're this, they're that, and everything else. This was as for October 1. Uh, the commercial side has already priced this stuff in. We The non-commercials have been following along the whole way. I mean, these, these numbers are at least a month old, almost a month old on release. So I, I just don't see a lot of importance in them, but they are a good way of tracking where we were, what the situation was, how does it fit with what we saw in the spreads? well
1: and darren let's take a look at the spreads as they sit today friday we did see new contract high in december live cattle it does seem like we've got more life moving into that space are the non-commercial
2: investors uh, looking at the cattle market you know they they haven't been looking heavily at it what's really been interesting to me is is the last couple of weeks so i mean as we get ready for the next set of uh, of cattle on feed reports and we start looking at what Say the DES Feb spread or the in and the Feb April and what they were doing here during October, it's gonna paint a little bit different picture because we've had a lot of commercial buying coming in. Now, last week, you know, I know it was mostly tied to the October contract, but we saw some strong cash moves uh in you know in both the north and south markets, uh, south up like three to four dollars last week. Uh, We saw boxed beef jumping. So not too surprising that the commercial side's coming back in and they're doing a lot of buying uh, in uh, in the December contract. So, you know, it's an interesting development looking ahead as things do seem to be firming. How much of this has to do with stock markets? There's probably some connection there. You know we're seeing uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but we've also seen some rallies uh, in U.S. stocks across the board, and that tends to that tends to bring uh, you know commercial money and some non-commercial money back into the cattle markets.
1: Well, Darren, and that's my question here. Those broad outside markets have seen a lot of volatility, concern about inflation still very much in play. Obviously, commodities, a crucial investing tool in dealing with inflation, is most of the attention going to precious metals, or where do we see it filtering into the commodity space?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty much uh, across the board. Um, you know, and, and here it, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a tricky situation. I mean, classically, you know, it, we we look at the precious metals, uh, we look at gold, we look at copper for economic reads and so on. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing is we've got bullish supply and demand situations in so many of the commodities uh, that we that we have to use where demand isn't as elastic as say just overall general economy you know we're talking about we're talking about food we're talking about fuel we're talking about these sorts of things and if we look at the spread say for the for the energy complex and the grain and oil seed complex we see a lot of you know, either inverted or in backwardation, uh, you know, future spreads and forward curves, or in the case of the grains, maybe only very weak carry. So, you know, the commercial picture is there's a big concern over supplies. This is a supply issue that's helping to keep prices higher. uh, And you can't solve that. That's not a general economic situation uh, that economists are going to solve. This has to be solved by increasing supply. Yes, they can do all they want, you know, raising interest rates and this sort of thing to try to bring down demand. And in some cases, it'll work, but not in these key commodities of food and fuel. Those tend to stay, demand tends to stay pretty strong. And when we have tight supplies, it doesn't necessarily solve the situation.
1: So, Darren, if we've got tight supplies, we've got inflationary concern, the expectation would be that commodities broadly are going to benefit, but it seems like we've got a lot of investor money just sitting in cash right now. What's it going to take to roll that back into the economic sphere?
2: Yeah, you know, we've seen that because the dollar has been so strong, and you know, we've seen stock indexes coming down, and so they're taking, they've been taking money out of stocks, and and again, this was a fundamental issue. Stocks got overvalued in relation to what they, you know, their their earnings. Uh, the price of the stocks was way overblown to what the, what those companies could actually earn or what they were actually worth. So, you know, again, Newsom's rule number six says, you know, fundamentals win in the end. This this works for even the stock markets. Is they're just coming down to where maybe a more fair value market. Now we're starting to find the buying coming back in. So the, the dollar's been strong. Not just domestically, but globally, all investors wanted to go to the U.S. dollar. Now we might start seeing some of that money come out, and when it does, it's going to start to disperse not only to the stock markets, but again, it could start to come back over into some of these commodities uh, where we have very tight supply and demand situations. Again, crude oil is a, certainly a case. Uh, cotton, or excuse me, corn, soybeans, and so many others. Uh, you know, so there's the fundamentals that we should be looking at. Uh, and you ask a great question, and I think you know, here over the over the rest of the fall and maybe winter, we'll start to see some of that money coming back in.
1: Well, Darren, and it doesn't look like it's moving back into the crude oil space quite yet. Do you have an expectation as to when those prices could start to move higher is $90 on your uh, your target profile?
2: Yeah, see, and here's where things get a bit complicated because I, you know, I just made the fundamental case for, you know, everything should be should stay strong. But if we look at, at the at the long term monthly charts, and I'll be updating my my monthly analysis here at the end of October, so many of these key commodities are actually in long term downtrends. Crude oil is one of them. Uh, corn is another one. So, you know, if I, if I look at the long term monthly chart uh, just for West Texas Intermediate, you know, it's it's got a target down there in the low 74s. And if that doesn't hold, you know, it, it, that, then maybe it drops <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. Maybe it drops into the 60s. You know, and, and it would from a seasonal point of view, it wouldn't be that surprising because we usually see seasonal downturn in demand over the course of the winter. And then we start picking back up late in the winter. Uh, so there's so there's some room for this market to go lower, even with fundamentals still bullish. I'd look for support in that 74. So about 10, 12 dollars underneath where we are right now. Uh, and a true breakdown would take it back into the 60s.
1: Wow. $60 crude oil. Hadn't thought we'd be talking about that, but there we are, folks. That's Darren Newsome of Newsome Analysis. Darren, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me on again, Mike.
1: And folks, stick around. We'll be talking with John Baranek of DTN Weather when AOA returns.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
3: This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com.
4: These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com
0: this is ernie johnson jr sports is about overcoming obstacles and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome duchenne muscular dystrophy it's called coach to cure md and you can help text the word cure to 501 501 to donate 25 dollars on your next mobile phone bill or go online to coach to cure text the word cure to 501 501 help coaches cure md
1: brought to you by the american football coaches association
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA.
1: Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA breezes right along today, just like the weather did for a lot of folks across the central part of this country. Over the weekend, was speaking to a friend of mine up in North Dakota, and he said this was maybe the worst weekend to play golf up there, even though the temperatures were perfect. The wind was making it a challenge. Well, that wind blew in some change. Joining us today to talk about it is John Baranek of DTN Weather. And, John, looks like we've got some moisture today across the southern plains. What's going on?
6: Yeah, change is right, Mike. Uh, you know, when we were talking last week, we were talking about some record cold moving through. And then over this past weekend, we had some record heat moving in. Uh, but yeah, it did uh, it did uh, include some, some breezy winds, especially um, out in Kansas and eastern Colorado there. We had wind gusts 50, 60 miles an hour yesterday, uh, kind of widespread, not as windy across Nebraska, Iowa, or farther south down to Texas. But it was still pretty breezy up and down the plains here. Um, And that's a a huge system uh, as part of the the leading edge of a pattern change that's moving through. uh, It's setting up a a big trough in the west and and a huge ridge off in the east and right in the middle of the country is where these storm systems then would love to track. And we've got quite a significant one here. Um, Over the weekend, we saw rain in the northern plains here change over to snow for Montana and and the western Dakotas. Uh, That's continuing here this morning. Uh, we've got some heavier rain going on across Texas and Oklahoma that's really starting to light up. It's actually kind of in uh, several things moving together. One of that is actually uh, the remnants of Hurricane Roslyn, which hit the west coast of Mexico yesterday and is being ingested in there. So we got some tropical moisture moving into the southern plains. And along with that cold front, um, we'll, we'll see that continue eastward here uh, both today and Pretty much through Wednesday before that system finally moves off into Northeast Canada. So we've got a, a big system here to talk. I mean, we could spend the next half hour if you wanted to, but uh, you know, kind of the main points here is we got some snow ending across the Northern Plains, got some heavier rain for the Southern Plains into the into the Midwest, and um, you know we're talking rainfall amounts kind of widespread, one to two inches, and a lot of these thunderstorms are going to have more than that. So um, it's going to be some good rain over some. Uh, very droughty areas unfortunately because the areas are in so much deep in drought it's not going to mean a huge impact for the lower mississippi river um a lot of this rain is just going to get soaked right into the soils
1: that's such a huge point of course when we've got soils as dry as they are they're just sponges here for these uh, these rain events coming across john as this system moves through you mentioned it's in the southern plains today it's going to take its track northeast there across the country what's going to happen with temperatures as it moves across
6: yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting. So I'm here around Minneapolis. And this morning when I woke up at about four o'clock this morning, it was 70 degrees. Well, now the cold front has moved through us. Now I'm in the lower 50s. So we're going to drop from you know some of these record high temperatures or near record high temperatures we had yesterday, about 20 to 30 degrees below where we were the day before. So it's a pretty strong cold front. Um, you know, the farther north you are, the, the, the stronger that drop is. But even in the Southern Plains where we had 80s and 90s yesterday, we'll be in the 60s and 70s. So it's it's a pretty significant drop.
1: It is indeed. And is this a drop that uh, really is going to put us into winter mode, John, as this say, fairly uh, a longer term pattern shift?
6: Uh, you know what's really funny about this pattern drop or the, the temperature drop is that it puts us actually pretty close to normal. Uh, temperatures were just so warm um, over the weekend that these these temperatures that are coming in are actually close to normal. Um, maybe slightly below in a few areas. Uh, But no, this isn't going to be a a pattern change that brings us closer to winter. It's actually going to keep us kind of more in the early fall or late summer period. Um, This ridge that we have off to the west and the trough that we're going to basically have out in the, I'm sorry, the ridge in the east and the trough in the west is going to continue to bring winds mostly out of the southwest instead of the northwest. So we're going to have winds coming in You know, from the deserts in the southwest through most of the country here. So it's going to keep us on the warmer side of normal here for the next couple of weeks. That will going to be interrupted, unfortunately, by a couple of systems moving through at times. Um, So it won't be completely warm uh, all the way through. But if, if you kind of average it all out, it'll be east of the Rockies. We should be above normal here for the next couple of weeks.
1: All right, John, with this pattern shift, you mentioned warmer bias there, couple of systems coming through. Are we changing the tone here, at least in the Southern Plains, to bring some more moisture through to that drought-parched region?
6: Well, we definitely are early this week. Um, I mentioned the kind of widespread moderate to heavy rain that's going to be going on here in the next couple of days. We have another system that will move in here later this week. kind of moves in Thursday and Friday. It's going to be slow. It doesn't have all the, the heavy rainfall that this um, – the early week system does but it's got you know some some decent potential even for western kansas and and colorado which kind of are missing out from the current system um and then there there's probably another one here sometime next week models are are kind of waffling on when and how that all comes together uh, of course it's not surprising being about you know seven to ten days out that they that they're kind of waffling on that but you know there are some systems moving through and that could mean some decent precipitation you know we've been very very dry and we've been talking about it seemingly forever across the southern plains we're getting some better uh, precipitation here this week we might get a little bit more next week um things at least are in a, a, a bit of a positive trend from where they have been the last several weeks and months really
1: Well, John, you mentioned the impacts of that tropical storm Roslyn making its way from the Pacific here into the central U.S. Let's take a look down at the Gulf across the Atlantic in the tropics. Are there any other systems of concern developing there?
6: There's a couple, um, but they're kind of in the western Atlantic, so they would be off the east coast. Uh, There's one that's near Bermuda, uh, but that one's going to be shifting north and and kind of running out of potential. Uh, There's one that's a little bit more interesting uh, near the Bahamas. Um, I'm not sure if that one will be completely classified as tropical or not. It might be a subtropical storm because uh, what you need is is an upper level ridge of support and what they're going to have is an upper level trough instead. So it's going to kind of look like a, a, a normal low pressure system instead of a, a hurricane or a tropical storm. But uh, there could be something there. Um, you know, the front that kind of cruises through this week will likely keep it offshore though. So I don't think there's a huge impact uh, for the U.S. anytime soon. Um, everything else that's seemingly coming off of Africa and would normally move westward through the Caribbean is, is finding some harsh conditions, and so we don't have a huge um, risk of anything moving through anytime soon, especially getting into the Gulf of Mexico, unless one of these cold fronts decides to develop something tropical, which is always uh, a possibility, and it's something we're going to have to keep watching because there's a lot of fronts that are going to be moving into the Gulf of Mexico.
1: Well, there's certainly never a shortage of things to watch in the meteorological <laughs> business. On the the Gulf front hurricane season, John, of course, we've got a lot of uh, oil and energy experts watching the Gulf region now, making sure we can maintain production through this hurricane season. And when does it come to an end? When can we stop being concerned about the tropics?
6: Well, the, the historical end is the end of November, so we've got another month. Um, in recent years, though, um, it's been kind of extending into December a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that'll happen this year at all, but we'll, well, I guess we'll have to see, but the, the the typical end here and the historical end is the end of November. So one more month.
1: All right. We'll continue to keep an eye on that here in our hemisphere, John, but let's go south of the equator. Let's talk about what's developing in South America. Brazilian planting is really rocking and rolling. How's that weather holding up across that country?
6: Yeah. And in, um, you know, For most of Brazil, uh, it's been going real well. They've had plenty of of precipitation, uh, not La Nina pattern at all. Uh, They've really escaped that. Argentina has been kind of on the upper side of that. I'll talk about that in a moment. But for for Brazil, uh, it started to dry out over the weekend across southern states, which they kind of needed. It's been a little too wet uh, to get a lot of planters out. Uh, They'll definitely have that over the weekend, uh, this past weekend into early this week. With some better drier conditions here for at least a little time being but then we get another system moving through uh, around the middle of the week that should bring some isolated showers through um, and a stronger cold front that will actually move through argentina and into brazil uh this weekend into early next week that one um the european model especially has got some significant heavy rainfall with that one uh quite surprising To have this cold front uh, move all the way up into northern brazil uh that's close to the equator usually don't get cold fronts moving all the way up to the equator uh but this one this one might have uh the the guts to do that um behind that front though it's going to get dry and you know while southern brazil might have some decent conditions here some good rainfall at times this week and into the weekend Argentina might too, um, and their their drought has uh, been very, very uh, dramatic for their wheat production and their early corn planting so far, and starting to get into their soybean planting season as well. Um, the rain showers will be good for this week, but um, after that front goes through this weekend and early next week, I mean, it, it, all the the longer range models turn very dry uh, for November turning back into the La Nina pattern we would come to expect. So I think, you know, there may be some short term good conditions here, uh, especially across the southern half of the continent, but uh, it's going to turn drier and it's going to be a lot more concerning as we move forward.
1: Certainly plenty of things the market to focus on here over the coming months. John Baranek of DTN Weather. Thanks so much for joining us and for sharing your insight here on AOA.
6: Thank you very much, Mike. Always good to talk to you.
1: And folks, stick around, when we return, we're gonna talk about what has happened here in the soybean market over this past week with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with Stonex. Stick here for more AOA after this.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine
4: Oils oils that run smart these acres you've put your life into your view each harvest morning while the ag industry changes this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs that's why ads and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect america's farm families we're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com.
7: You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Once we take a look at what is happening in the trade as we start off the new week, we see soybeans the downside leader with quarter wheat down moderately here on this Monday. Now, not a lot of fresh news once again in the trade. One of the biggest news items possibly out there is the installment of China's Xi Jinping for another five-year term, which is unprecedented. The grain and soy markets taking that a bit hard, especially soybeans, with the implication for further political tensions to stifle soy and corn exports to China. That's one item we're watching in the trade. There's also risk out there that the trade agreement that allows Ukraine to export grain, that may not be extended uh, due to objections from Russia. We'll have to see what happens over the next several weeks. We're going to be keeping our eyes on that closely. Then you got South American weather and uh, forecasts look to be turning drier as we get into November. That's something we'll be watching, but so far it's been so good uh, in South America, especially in Brazil for their p- spring planting season. We look at the outside macro markets, the dollar index, that is down a little bit early, down 9 basis points, 111.89, but that VIX is trading high once again. The VIX is uh, up above 30 once again here today after Friday's brief dip below that mark. So uh, those two factors together need to continue to be a strong headwind here for commodities. Crude oil's down slightly here, uh, below $85 a barrel early on Monday. Meantime, livestock trade cattle are up a little bit. A neutral to friendly cattle on feed report was seen Friday afternoon after the close, while the hog market finding a little bit of pressure after we've seen hogs really uh, ramp back up towards uh, that cash index here the last couple of trading sessions. Overall, it's a mostly lower day across commodities. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen.
0: You're going to
3: need me. You're going to need us.
8: All of us.
4: You're going to need our technical skills.
8: Our math, our engineering skills.
4: You're going
0: to
6: need our help
0: with your water,
6: your air, your food. You're going to need our organizational skills, our problem-solving skills.
4: You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring.
6: And we promise, we'll be there when you need us. Today. 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Mextron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know.
1: AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. We're taking a look at the markets today, and we've got weakness here in the grain markets, weakness in corn, soybeans, though, down big, 21 to 22 cents here through the contracts. Joining us with an update on what is happening here in the global commodity markets is Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist with Stonex. And Arlen, I've got to imagine some of the weakness in soybeans today is perhaps related to the shakeup in the Chinese political economy that happened last week.
9: Yeah, it certainly is related. There's a lot of things working right now, but most of these markets are looking at the the, the broader part, uh, broader picture, the macro markets, if you will. Concerns about China definitely in the forefront for for soybeans because that's our number one customer of soybeans, and we're heavily dependent upon exports to them the twentieth congress meeting of the of the chinese communist party took place last week it concluded over the weekend and uh... if anything xi jinping reinforced his power in china uh, moving people who he questioned their loyalty off of the politburo which is the most powerful circle of seven leaders and putting four new leaders on there who are all loyalists so it's, it's entirely loyalist now on the Politburo. And uh, that means he's keeping in place his zero COVID tolerance, uh, at least until the spring of the year, it looks like. That means their economy is likely to continue to struggle, which could end up hurting grain and oilseed markets. But one of the new people on the Politburo is also the commander of the Eastern Theater of their military, and who oversaw the blockades that were put around Taiwan back in August. And that goes together with a couple of statements made on different days of the Congress meeting that uh, Taiwan is a high priority, and the fact that He has consolidated his power now for not only an unprecedented third five-year term, but possibly a fourth term as well, since no successor is also seen in this list of leaders. Um, it, It raises the risks that we could see. China make a move on Taiwan sooner rather than later and probably increases the certainty of it happening as well while increasing the economic risk for China none of that is good for potential longer-term commodity demand. Uh, I'm not saying that China's economy is going to fail and everything is going to go to pieces, um, but the way the money flows in the markets, that's the way it's being interpreted this morning, and I do think it does certainly present some risks for the ag commodities that that China imports from the United States, and that's what the market is trading this morning.
1: And we're really, we're trading that fear, it would appear, Arlen, because in addition to the 20th Chinese Central Party Communist Party Congress, we also had China making some pretty big purchases of American soy this past week, didn't we? Some of the biggest in the year.
9: Yeah, we really did, and keep in mind, it's, it's a futures market, so they're not trading current news, they're trading uh, longer-term expectations. But going on that, that line, they've made some big purchases. Now, if you look at Chinese imports of soybeans in September, the data just came out, that was 7.7 million metric tons. That was actually up 12.2% from last year. Um, So that was a good sign, but it was about a half million metric tons behind the five-year average, so still a little bit slower than what we'd like to see. The larger import number, though, in September – was largely because of August shipments that got delayed in getting there. And so that kind of elevated that September number up a little bit more. If you look at uh, October and what's anticipated for November, it's going to come far short of the size needed for crush. Um, Imports might be able to catch up with the crush pace by December, but we're seeing that crush pace really held down by the lack of soybeans. Uh, We're looking at historically low soybean supplies within China right now with very good crush margins, very good reason incentive to crush, but the beans are not there because China has not been importing them. They don't want to pay the higher prices. They don't want to buy from the United States if they can avoid it, but they're in a position now they don't have any choice. So they are making big purchases. But still, as big as those purchases have been lately, they're still not as big as what they've made in past years or what they need to fully meet what the the demand levels that we've seen in the past. So while it's been encouraging, it's still not what we need in order to really support this market.
1: Arlen, while we're thinking about China and the changes that could be coming there, I'm curious as to how you see their pork industry developing. We've seen them cause uh, massive swings in pork prices here in this country as they step in and out of the export market. Do you have a handle on where that uh, sector might be going in China looking ahead?
9: Well, the cycle continues in China, and that cycle is prices get low, and so they liquidate the breeding herd, so then supplies go down, so the prices go up, so they expand rapidly, they overproduce, prices go down, and that cycle continues. China has tried to do a number of things to even out that cycle, but in a a centrally controlled, government-controlled type of a marketplace, it just simply continues to happen they don't understand supply and demand dynamics in the same way. Where are we in that cycle right now? We're in the expansion mode. After having cheap prices for so long um, That and coal, uh, breeding herd coaling, now we're in the expansion. And The latest numbers came out, showed the breeding sow herd about 4.4% above where we were in April as the industry tries to reestablish the herd. Um, and so that means that, uh, we have a lot of demand for feed and that's one reason soy meal prices are so high right now in China and why crush margins are so good. They just can't get the soybeans needed to crush. China is, um, currently trying to increase imports of pork, trying to hold down prices. That's been good. We've seen several weeks now of good Chinese purchases of U.S. pork in addition to buying it from elsewhere as well. They're starting to release pork from the reserves once again, trying to knock domestic pork prices down, trying to contain inflation. But overall, the herd is in expansion phase right now, and that should longer term be good for feed demand.
1: Well, while we're thinking through feed demand here, Arlen, what do you see developing on the corn side? As harvest continues to roll in, are you pretty comfortable with what you expect uh, production to be this year?
2: Yeah,
9: I've been expecting, I think I said this summer that I anticipated the, the crop size would eventually come in the low 170s. For a national average yield, and that seems to be the direction that we are moving. StoneX will come out with its next customer survey yield estimate next week on on Wednesday, November the second. Uh, but overall, I think the expectation is small crops get smaller, both for the corn and soybeans, and that's what the market's looking lo- looking at right now. Um, my yield model is actually a little bit below 170 now. I think it may be overdoing it, but we'll have to see. Um, I still think that we're going to be getting much closer to that 170 level, which means we need to ration demand, but we're essentially doing that with the high barge freight rates because of the low Mississippi River levels now and the high rail freight rates and the strong dollar. We're doing our rationing on the export side of things, and that's helping keep the domestic going a little bit longer before they have to ration.
1: And how are the non-commercial investors reacting to all of this? Arlen, did we learn anything on Friday from the Commitment of Traders report?
9: Well, our non-commercials are traditional. I'm going to separate them out. You're basically talking about the speculative traders. Um, And the traditional speculator has largely kind of gone to the sideline because these markets have been very volatile and difficult to trade. So the, the speculators who we have in these markets are the computer driven what we call algo traders and they're very much involved and we've just been basically chopping sideways now for some weeks uh, with some underlying support from a fundamental standpoint but a reluctance to push higher because of the fear levels on wall street have been so high and the strength of the dollar so these markets have been chopping sideways now in until we get things that either calm down and fear to ease on Wall Street or a more imminent story developing in the fundamentals.
1: Well, Arlen, there does appear to be an imminent story developing in the soy oil complex. That has been on a rally over the past two weeks. We've put nearly $10 on the market. What's happening in the oils?
9: Well, I think the market is finally going back through the cycle again and trading the renewable diesel uh, industry growth. Uh, We traded it back um, in the spring and saw prices shoot up, and then we realized, oh, the market had got ahead of itself, uh, that uh, it's going to take some time for that infrastructure to develop. And so we saw a big drop-off in prices that bottomed out back in July. And now we 're starting to trade those fundamentals once again, and we 're really seeing that we 're seeing uh, overall with each each monthly crush report comes out we 're seeing soil oil stocks now really start to trend lower we 're seeing the data from usda 's production of renewable diesel goes up, consuming more and more of of it we're seeing new crush facilities come in, so crush is incrementally going higher and higher. So we're, we're now finally seeing that develop that we've been talking about now for several years. It's finally starting to happen, and uh, that's the good news overall. So while I expect we'll see exports to China decrease dramatically over the next couple of years, uh, the domestic demand seems to be growing. Hopefully we'll be able to grow that domestic demand fast enough to absorb the lost exports from China.
1: And are we rising fast enough that we could see that industry slow down, Arlen? or are we still in a place that there's profitability?
9: Yeah, no, we're still on the basis of profitability, and that's largely because of the huge subsidies, many of those subsidies coming from individual states. So there seems to be a lot of strength in policy really driving this, and I don't see any evidence of slow down yet.
1: All right, lots to watch in the markets. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with Stonex, thanks so much for joining us and for sharing your insight. Thank you. And folks, stick around. We're gonna talk more agriculture of America here when AOA returns after this. Agriculture
0: of America is brought to you by Cenex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils. Oils that run smart.
8: What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common?
10: Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle.
2: I like that too.
10: Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
4: These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids, and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com.
3: This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com.
8: Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. information farmers and ranchers need to know AOA
1: now back to Mike Pearson Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Earlier in the show, we talked with John Baranek of DTN Weather, and he mentioned the intense wind that was felt across the countryside over the weekend. I saw posts on social media from farmer friends from Kansas to Colorado, Nebraska and Iowa, all of them ready for fires. And there were several wildfires that broke out in that hot, hot weather and exceptional wind that took place uh, Saturday and into Sunday night. And there was one Sunday night that caught my eye happened in Iowa. there was a wind turbine in Williamsburg, Iowa that caught fire in the middle of the night and caused a field fire early Monday morning. The Williamsburg firefighters were out there. They were able to address the blaze and, and get it put out, but they did say in their post on Facebook, quote, this type of fire is unique and challenging, as there are many factors to consider, including falling debris on fire and the turbine blades and unit falling apart overhead. Williamsburg Fire Department secured to the scene To ensure safety of everyone in the area, once it was deemed safe, the field fire caused by falling debris was extinguished. So certainly hats off to all those folks who were prepared for that elevated fire risk over the weekend. And thanks to all of you for uh, keeping rural America safe. You know, thinking about wind turbines got me thinking about energy and energy has been a topic of conversation all year. We've discussed it a lot on this program, and it's a discussion that's going to continue because we are still globally very tight on energy supplies. Notably, a lot of folks out in the countryside have noticed diesel fuel prices climbing back up at the pump, and there's a reason for it. The reason being that diesel stockpiles in the U.S. right now are at their lowest point since 2008. Currently, we've got about a third of the diesel stockpile that we would typically have heading into winter. Now, the Biden administration has called attention to this. They've called it unacceptably low and, quote, looking for all options to build up the national fuel supply. There is some assistance coming for diesel producers. We're not seeing a mad rush into the diesel space like we saw earlier this summer, even though supplies are as tight as they are. And for a large part, that's because it does appear to be some relief on the way. Issue number one, we've got about a million gallons of diesel out on the oceans right now. It was headed to buyers over in Europe. Uh, Those buyers have since turned it down, and it's making its way towards New York Harbor. It's great news because the supplies of diesel in New York Harbor are the lowest right now. That is the place most needed to get a refill. So those ships are coming in here in the next two weeks. And then we should also see a diesel refinery in Pennsylvania reopen. This is a Pennsylvania uh, refinery in uh, Traynor, Pennsylvania. And they are a diesel-focused refinery. They have been shut down due to seasonal maintenance, and that's expected to come back online. In the interim, diesel prices are expected to stay very high. Currently, the national average is $5.34 a gallon. But if you're out there on the West Coast, trucking in California, your average cost is almost $6.50 per gallon. Just a reminder, these prices have been with us, it seems like, forever, but that is still a $2 a gallon jump over a year ago so consumers are certainly feeling this and we're seeing the reflection of these higher energy prices impact economic outlook and in fact the national association for business economics held a survey of a lot of their members and over half say that a recession is more probable than not and 11% of these respondents indicated that the economy is likely already in a recession. Uh, They did this back in early October. Things have certainly gotten worse from a broad economic perspective since then, so we can assume these shares have only grown, but they do expect continued bad news down the line. With some good news, uh, 33% of these economists do expect higher employment uh, down, down the road. Several of their firms have already been hiring, and they do expect to see that continue as this year goes on and while we've got all of this focus on the markets there is increased focus on the people in those markets and for agriculture our overarching markets the futures markets are uh, secured by the u.s CFTC, that's the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. It's a board in Washington, D.C. that forms the rules over all of those who interact with the futures markets. And the CFTC has been active. As we get through the end of the Washington's fiscal year, we're getting reports from these agencies and the CFTC this past year said they imposed over two and a half billion dollars in penalties, restitution, and fines during the fiscal year that ended September 30th. To get to that amount, they filed 82 different infi- uh, 82 different enforcement actions, rather in fiscal 2021, with fraud cases representing the largest number. Interesting side note: more than 20% of the cases the CFTC dealt with this year were cryptocurrency or digital asset cases. So not a whole lot of this interest is taking place inside the ag futures, but we're certainly seeing the CFTC stay very active. We've got some other news out of Washington DC, this time a lack of action. It is being celebrated by a number of produce groups, rather. Earlier this past month, or excuse me, in late September, Members of Florida's congressional delegation called on the U.S. trade representative to launch an investigation into Mexican imports of fruits and vegetables. Uh, These Congress folks alleged that uh, the Mexican uh, producers were dumping fruits and vegetables under the cost of production on U.S. store shelves. Well, the USTR takes these sort of uh, claims very seriously. And on September 8th, 2022, they started looking into whether or not they should start a section 301 petition and section 301 is the petition that if it's granted would allow the US government some sort of retaliatory measure towards alleged dumping so the Florida congressional delegation was hoping that we could raise the prices of goods coming from Mexico because they have been under producing or excuse me underpricing Florida vegetable growers however The USTR came out yesterday, on Friday, and said that they are not going to pursue an investigation, and this was a decision that was heralded by a number of groups in the produce space. For example, the Fresh Produce Association of the Americas came out applauding this decision. They say, quote, the claim was meritless from the outset. USTR absolutely made the right decision to reject the baseless request from Senator Rubio, who has made this an election year issue, according to the Nogales, Arizona-based fruit producers of america we also had similar concurrence from the apple industry our friend jim bear said the same story retaliatory tariffs would have done damage to the apple industry we'll be back with more aoa tomorrow we'll be taking a look at some of the policy changes that could come with the midterms and we'll also discuss what's ahead in the world of farm markets folks thanks for tuning in we'll see you here same time tomorrow for more aoa
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Mextron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
3: This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers, Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com.
4: These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com.